0: Hi, I'm Andiwadi Adijumo. I build businesses and I also teach people how to take control of their lives. You are listening to the Api Like Buddha podcast where I'll be bringing you some of the best personal growth mentors and entrepreneurs on the planet. And they will be sharing the best ideas on personal growth for mind, body, spirit and work. My guest today is the Founder and AI Ethics Officer at Socially Acceptable, and she mentors startups at Black Umbrella. You can find more information about Socially Acceptable on Socially Acceptable. Guys, please meet Nazarene Ibrahim. Nazarene, thank you for joining us on, as my guest speaker on like Buddha. Uh, I'm,
1: I'm, I'm going to say your name, Adewale. Am
0: I saying it correctly?
1: Yes, that's correct. Thank you so much for the opportunity. It's always so nice to meet uh, people in my community industry, uh, to have a conversation, and also to acknowledge the great work you guys are doing because without you, a lot of the stuff that we are doing won't uh, see the light of day in some instances. So you're helping to um, push uh, push, uh, the agenda of educating the public for good. So well done on that, thanks for the opportunity.
0: Thank you, thank you. So everyone today, we're going to be talking about how you can prepare for a world of AI. And the the reason I wanna talk about this is because a lot of people are scared of AI and this fear of AI seems to stem from a few common causes which are generally anxiety um, about machine intelligence, the fear of mass, mass unemployment, Concerns about super intelligence, putting the power of AI into the hands of the wrong individuals, okay? And also the general concern and caution when it comes to new technology. And, you know, with guys like Elon Musk coming up with things like Neuralink, with cars driving themselves and taking <laughs> jobs away from taxi drivers, measuring, um, like, what is AI,
1: it's nice to start with that question because a lot of people use the term but not always familiar with what it it can mean, especially in daily life so AI artificial intelligence but uh, why is it known as artificial intelligence is because um, it's supposed to be that a computer is mimicking human intelligence or behavior or responses to an environment mm. using the same type of reasoning that a human being would would use so, how how does that play out in a in a normal space or in a system that's built? It would be a group of people who can uh, write that system or a set of developers.
0: Mm-hmm. And they
1: will write what's called um, a model or an algorithm. And the algorithm is like an environment or a, or a room um, or a particular campus. Like if you only think about a university
2: mm-hmm. and
1: it's got different um, areas, uh, curriculum that's put in, and it it can now facilitate the evolution of learning. And so Mm. how will that happen? That will happen because of uh, information you put in. The information is known as data. Data sets could be everything from um, people's names, very simple example, people's names, list of addresses, Mm. um, profile of what they like to eat, what their favorite colors are. And then based off that, that algorithm or system will continue to learn And because of that particular data set, you're able to train it to do something. Now, the something that we are currently experiencing as a form of AI is narrow AI, which is automation. We see it all across the board. Automation is various sectors, um, but also automation. And then the second layer of that is prediction. Prediction on behaviors or other kind of uh, factors criteria, parameters that you want to measure, like health, as an example. Mm. So use health as an example. AI is being used in healthcare facilities and systems to monitor or quickly find um, a particular symptom that's wrong with a patient, like radiology or to find a tumor or to scan someone and to find it much quicker than you would traditionally with uh, machines available and then the doctor needs to go through the results and then come back to you. Mm-hmm. So I think what AI has done for us is it's, we are seeing its prevalence now because of the um, the amount of computing power we have at our disposal. Yeah. So, so the processing mobility and because we are able to process so much more quickly in uh, very small units uh, available to us that are easily moved around it's become, opened up a whole new universe for everyone. So that's, uh, I would talk about it in a nutshell later.
0: Okay, all right. Thank you so much for that, for that very, very comprehensive answer of what AI is. Let me ask you something, right? So a few days ago, I was actually watching a documentary and it was about self-driving cars, okay? and the And the question was, what because you because you mentioned that AI, you know, helps to make predict, uh, predictions, but can AI also make can uh, can AI also makes this make make decisions? And the question was that if there's a self-driving car driving um, straight, and there's a woman, there's a little girl in the car, and there's an old woman who is crossing the road, but she's breaking the she's breaking the law, and the car has an option to to swerve into into like a blockade and kill the child that's in the car or make a decision to drive straight and kill the old lady. You know, (laughs) that's, that can we leave, that's what decision will, (laughs) what decision will the, will the car with the AI in the car make? And this is, is, and it like went on to talk about like how, how decision in different parts of the world is going to be based on the different sets of cultures around the world where in Germany Germans believe that um, you know like they would prefer if that car AI doesn't make any decisions and just carries on driving straight and runs over and kills the old lady and in and the and then the girl leaves whereas people in France um, on the other end they want the car to make a decision um, <laughs> what decision is right <laughs> uh we don't know anyways yes <laughs> I, I guess the question i want to ask is will a i kill us all that's um that is that is one of people's um, most common fears if AI is gonna kill us will a i kill us all
1: yeah you um you bring up a point of debate that's going to be uh, Continued every single day until we, we reach uh, another level of heightened uh, AI ability and it will, it will only deepen uh, mm. to go on. it will always be a debate around it. And I say this because you remember the, you talked about self-driving cars. Do you remember the example of the self-driving car that killed a woman in, I think it was San Francisco, if I'm not mistaken. back um, yeah. in. 18 I think it was
0: I think I can even give some insight into that um, it was because I think the woman would accept the car to self-driving on a busy urban road when the car is meant for self-driving only on the freeway so, um, so, so the car couldn't make the same sort of decisions because it didn't expect if you're, if you're on the freeway you're driving straight, you know, trucks in front behind you but now it's so coming from the side and it's kind of like, ah, what is going on? And he saw that yeah. as maybe being a road sign uh, rather than actual, like <laughs> you're about to, you're about to die, you know, um, you know, truck come from the side. So yeah, sorry, carry on.
1: No, I, it's good that you gave the context of it because what it brings to light is decision-making ability and the responsibility around it. Now, mm human beings, what what makes us different as human beings? We have uh, the, the ability to reason uh, mm. and to be rational or to be irrational. But that uh, ability has surrounding it a number of criteria points, nuances, um, and attributes from external environments, people, places, spaces, that shape who we are. I mean, the neural networks that you know, um, comprise the brain are uh, a combination of so many things that make us human beings. Emotions, hormones, um, food that we eat, body type, culture, where we come from, how we live. Now, if you build a robot, if I go to Boston Dynamics or for Hack Robotics and say to them, Um, Could you build a robot that encompasses all these criteria points, that influences decision-making, that infers bias or not, that infers discrimination or not? Can you do that? And the simple answer is no. Mm. But what they can do and what systems are doing is continually using available data sets that have problems or not to be able to inform decision-making. The decision-making, and I had this uh, friendly argument with someone recently <laughs> who said to me um, that it's not the model. It's I rather, it's not the data that's the problem, it's the model. But I'm still of the opinion that the, the data is the problem. And mm-hmm. what does data mean? Data is not uh, referring to the data bundle you buy to put in your phone to use the internet. Mm-hmm. Data refers to the actual information that you um, contribute or output based on your activity online. And what does it mean? It means if I set up a Facebook profile and I continue to like, engage, share, uh, put out posts, do live videos, that uh, information all can be broken down into a data set. It tells mm. a story about who I am. Nazarene likes cats and spicy food and chilies and listening to cool music and stuff like that. You can get a sense of who a person is, right? Mm. And then, then that information is used uh, to inform. Now, if I took 10 million people's information profiles like that and fed it into a system, but told the system, this is what I'd like you to output based on all of these criteria points. Mm-hmm. The the level of bias or not, I don't know how well bias is being cleaned out of data, or if we can get to the stage where data can be clean enough for machines to make objective enough decisions that don't endanger humanity. That example you used about killing the old woman versus the child is, I think it's called the, the trolley example, the trolley case. And so you've got this train on the track that's going to kill a group of people or just one person versus one person. But my, my thought was immediately on hearing that was, and I keep having this thought is, why have that example at all? Why even have that scenario at all? That people's lives should be in danger um, because a machine can have one or the other what if that scenario did not exist or there was a third scenario you know why only have two scenarios so and that's that will go down to then cultures because you can't have as an ethicist or someone looking at ethics can never have a different definitive uh, answer or consensus around what will work, what is right, what is wrong. <laughs> always going to be multiple variations on it, right?
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So in that scenario, right, um, I think it boiled down to culture, you know, it uh, depends on, you know, like what decision, what decision a car should make according to that scenario came down to where is the car being driven? If it's been driven in France, they believe that if it's a man behind the car, the car should swerve should into the block and kill the man and save the woman or child, because that's what they prefer. In Germany, they prefer if the car just carries on going straight, the car shouldn't make a decision. They don't care whether you're a man, woman, whatever. They prefer to, make, to not make, to, they prefer indecision. So it's like, yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, absolutely, absolutely. The next question, Actually, before I move on to the next question, okay? Guys, if you want to catch Nazarene after this um, podcast, you must listen to the very, very end. (laughs) If you want to catch her, you can catch her on Instagram and on Twitter at Nazarene, R-E-E-N. And then there's an E at the end. And she's also on Facebook as well. I'm not sure if you respond to your Facebook but um and you can also find it on LinkedIn. Okay. So next question is can AI I, I think you answered um some parts of this question. And the question is that can AI be as smart as humans? Not currently, but you know, uh in, in the future. Can it can it be that like, can it be like a super smart AI that can that can outsmart the smartest human? Because so far, what we've seen is that AI has been shown to be able to be to, to be able to beat um certain people, world champions, in, for example, chess, in some other yeah. game called um in some game called Go. It's been able to outperform um doctors when it comes to identifying and diagnosing diseases. But that's just one particular um, you know, like aspect um you know, so that's just a small, that's just one uh, like one thing. But as a whole, can AI be as smart as human?
1: You you're making me think of what are the determin- determining factors that um, can answer that question in the affirmative. <laughs> you know, so what what will be the factor or factors? That will eventually lead to AI being smarter than humans or an equivalent? Uh, I think let's answer that question looking at two parts. One is the human being, and one is the AI. So, with human beings, there's different, uh, I mean, you know, formally, in a formalized manner, there's different ways of testing intelligence. Mm. Intelligence can be tested through, um, what do you call it, like uh, IQ testing systems or uh, doing something that will determine what your score is based on how you you react or respond to a, a set of prescribed questions. But I think intelligence can also be determined by, um, for a person personally, and this is maybe you can have a universal consensus on this, is around uh, how people respond to things to, all, to ensure harmony. Mm. Because if you want to have an effective life, and if you want to have a a life that works, the one word that um, makes sense to me in that whole construct is harmony. Because if you have harmony in anything, it it works, right? It works. And everyone has an understanding of one another and there's an allowance to do things or to say things. But you still have a certain level, as a human being, you still have a certain level of restriction uh, in the allowance because once you overstep that, the possibility to... Um, infringe on someone else's dignity is great. Mm. So that's why I use the word harmony. Harmony is, uh, I, I feel, it's a good way to describe the entirety of it. Mm. That's why we have things like the Constitution, and you talk about human rights, and this a continual debate or conversation around what does free speech mean, the right to religion, the right to culture, uh, workplace dynamics with religion and culture. Mm-hmm. Um, people leaning to the right or left in politics. I mean, every single thing these days can have the potential for offense. Mm. And as our our humanity continually evolves, um, affected uh, in a great deal, in great part by evolving technologies and social media platforms that give a new platform for expression, the level of offense becomes higher and makes people seem to be more fickle mm. in some instances. Right. So we're dealing we're dealing with that that massive pot of uh combination combinatory factors that can have uh very high volatility that's one then you look at AI so if you've got such uh, intense dynamics with human beings you've got to look at the ai mm-hmm. now ai is uh is a bit more comforting for people <laughs> because it's structured you know it's in a system it's in a place uh, and it's its output is directed at one or a few well-defined outcomes. So Mm. human beings, like if you and I came to an agreement, I could agree with you on something, but I could run off and do something else Mm. and and not do that. We've seen that with AI systems, like uh, a bot called Tay produced by Microsoft, who went off on Twitter and started becoming racially abusive. Then you've seen Facebook develop... (laughs) I think it was Facebook um, created two bots who were talking to one another but they started creating their own language and speaking to one another and they had to shut it down based on what they were developing. Now, the ability for uh, a machine to start uh, thinking and making decisions on its own is there, it's apparent and it's growing. If you look at a recent system like GPT-3, which OpenAI just released um, a company that's, I think has an investment or great or um, majority ownership by Elon Musk, they've created the system that uses 175 billion data points. Now there is no other system in the world that uses that many data points to output something. The output they wanted to demonstrate was, um, what was it? That the system could read, uh, write, and output like a human being, so you put in any command like type poetry for me, and it will go through its 175 billion data points based on what you asked it you know, a simple command and give you a piece of written poetry or an essay.
0: Okay. But the can I, can, can the, I ask it to write a book for me? Because <laughs> you, you could
1: probably, the only criticism is that <laughs> some of the answers are a bit, um, some of the answers are a bit funky and they sound uh, they don't have a, a a logical narrative or flow to it like when a human writes.
0: S- yeah, yeah. So,
1: so it, it sounds great but I read some of the examples and my thought was you know if I combined 18 or 1600 poetry and prose with a 1950 um, I don't know like a short verse and then brought in a 2000 hip-hop breakdown lyric rap jam thing and combined it, I could get an output of what GPT-3 is. <laughs>
0: That's how it looks. Okay. <laughs> so
1: it's creative. It's a really evolutionary example of what a system can do. And it's a good placeholder for us to start working from to test a full competency of intelligence for an AI system. I do believe though that uh, as our computing ability increases with mm-hmm. con- quantum computing being an example, and as we are able to access um, network connectivity, like 5G is going to be released with a lot of, you know, um, maybe misunderstanding around what it can do and the way it affects hum- the human mm-hmm. bodies. But, you know, those are big conversations for another time. At go on <laughs> about it. But I think that, you ask the question, can robots achieve human intelligence, full capacity human intelligence? And I think that the answer for me would be almost, but no. <laughs> almost, but mm. no. Because uh, I still maintain that as we, we have on our side and what could achieve the almost is the sheer level of computing power um, combined with the intensity of and the enormous amount of data sets that are being produced daily and will continue to produce. And why I say that is because even kids mm-hmm. and animals and pet birds and dogs have Instagram accounts. So, mm-hmm. I mean, what else is there left? So, yeah. you, know, y- you know what I mean? It's just so much more that's available than there was maybe 20 years ago.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Like even kids themselves are operating and and and, 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 and even animals are, are are making decisions dogs are making decisions from from probably billions of data sets <laughs> because of because of the emotions things that happen around them yes. yeah and you know what you mentioned 5g just now
1: this is not cool
0: you mentioned 5g just now right 5g I want to ask yeah. a question about 5G, just going a little bit off topic. And if this is a yes or no. Um, I, I hope I can
1: answer it, by the way. So let's see well, what the question is. You know, like
0: a lot of people that listen to this podcast and in this community are extremely smart um, people. Um, smart. Okay. I'm going to yeah. leave it there. Um, but still, a, a, like a lot of people still get information due to, um, well, AI <laughs> um, that, um, you know, that works like AI that basically runs the Facebook and the Google, Twitter, all those algorithms, because the algorithms are set on are set to are set are set by the employees based on their targets. For you know, like and what and what I'm basically referring to is that like is that the algorithms is set to push more content that are that people click on more often and most of those contents end up being conspiracy theories okay now i'm just now i'm just like giving it giving it to you actually the question i want to ask is does 5g cause coronavirus <laughs> <laughs> are you asking me 5g causes coronavirus
1: <laughs>
0: yeah 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 i want to hear your educated um response to that
1: yeah, you know, I I need to um, for an educated response. I need to go and bring up AI fact checker and, and Africa check and all the fact checking sources. But I mean, that um, what can I say? That urban myths uh, came out of the need for for humans to have somewhere to put um, uh, a consol consolate consolation sort of blame on because
2: mm.
1: it's so difficult to deal with the pandemic, right? You yeah. Know, now all of us, me, you, our families, our friends, everyone around the world included, have not lived through a pandem- pandemic before, especially if we're younger people. Even our grandparents, I don't know that they've lived through a pandemic. I don't have my grandparents, but I don't think they have lived through one. Mm. So it's, it's a way for people to try and make sense of the world. For me personally, it makes uh, that particular thinking makes no sense that 5G causes coronavirus pandemic because firstly, I think they're still constructing the towers for 5G um, connectivity. So how we would have contracted it by that, I'm not sure. Radio waves in their essence, um, there's no correlation between (laughs) uh, viral infection and radio waves, unless of course I have missed something and there's some evil, Mr. Evil or Dr. Evil genius plan somewhere that's already found the solution. And who knows, they might be. Conspiracy Mm. theories are very interesting to read. And some of them, some of them have some merit if you read closely. And if you look at the sources, some have some merit. You know, they they make you think about the state of the world and the the relationship between entities, organizations, people, global movements that you never would have seen before. Mm. So I'll say that. I'm not endorsing
0: them fully, but But this thing
1: about uh, 5G causing uh, coronavirus—no, I don't know. That that makes no sense to me.
0: Okay, so guys, you heard it, and I also want to support that as well. That 5G does not cause coronavirus. Um, I'm not. I am personally not sure if I will put any merits behind conspiracy theories. As soon as I see a conspiracy theory, my mind just goes into sort of like um super critical mode. I'm just like, you know, like where's the source? You know, um those are yeah, kind of, yeah those are kind of questions I usually yeah. ask myself. I'm like, no. You, you where... must ask
1: about the source and, and the yeah. agenda. The agenda is such an important. So I, I'm with you on that
0: one. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So once again, 5G does not cause coronavirus <coughs> in my sexy voice. <laughs> okay. <laughs>
2: Oh, everyone
0: is sold. Everyone is sold. Now. Okay, so second all right. right, um, future of AI. Um, I read somewhere that I th- actually I think you have kind of covered this. Where um, you did mention that AI won't be AI as smart as humans, but you know, like, you are you, you as an A, you as an AI ethics officer. Where do you see the future of AI for us?
1: Hmm. Um, It's a good question. I think, um, so AI has existed for a long time in terms of research uh, development since the early, maybe 1900s or so in terms of thinking. But the actual formalization came in the 1950s or so. There's a lot of research and development. There were academics like Alan Turing uh, and John McCarthy. And these figures pushed for further development and developed tests like the Turing test, which everyone is familiar with that name, mm-hmm. um, governments got in on the action. There was something called the AI um, Cold, I think it was, what, is it? what was it? Not Cold War, but a period when AI funding was frozen in the 70s or so because governments couldn't find, see the the potential for it or they just couldn't understand where it would go. And then, with computing ability coming in around the '90s, and with you know now formalized investment starting to understand, and so it developed further from there. You know, you talked about uh, AI systems being able to beat uh, world champions at chess. Mm. Uh, I think it was uh, Deep, a system called not DeepMind, but I forget the name right now, that uh, beat Gary, is it Kasparov, the the chess champion in the early '90s, and so.
0: How it's interesting to see to those. Chess enough. champion. <laughs> <laughs> mm? Sorry, I'm just like chess champion. How that's, That is that is one name I wouldn't know. <laughs> sorry, no, I, I,
1: I, was saying, I can only remember it from my research, but I remember doing the research around it because uh, back in 2018, at the end of 2018, if anyone's interested, uh, I released, um, a company released a 12-part AI article series that broke down what AI is and how to understand it as a member of the general public. So you can go onto the socially acceptable Facebook page under notes
2: mm-hmm. and
1: take a read through. And it's, I think we broke it down quite nicely for easy reading and, and it's a logical flow in terms of the articles. So just to give you a sense, but those examples showed us um, the speed and the agility of what AI can outcome, which is um, mm-hmm. logical thinking process and output and decision-making. You know, decision-making is uh, such a specific area of study, both for uh, philosophy, philosophers, uh, mm-hmm. sociologists, and, and, of course, data analytics um, people, sci- data scientists, mm-hmm. science in general. You know, the, the idea of reasoning and logic is an area that I, I don't think is understood well enough in other sectors other than where it is taught, which is like st- stats and engineering mm-hmm. and those kinds of areas. But it needs to be understood across the board because one thing that I know is key to being a human being and to being one that's smart is the application of critical thinking and to be a critically think about something is as simple as an example like fake news if I receive something on WhatsApp and Adiwala you mentioned this is what is the source can I accurately Um, test where it comes from or can I uh, actively go out and search where it is from? Can I use a number of online platforms to verify and fact check this piece of information? And if I so choose to not do that, but I still want to go ahead and share it with other people. Do I realize the consequences of my actions? An example being uh, in Mexico some years ago. A lot of
0: people don't realize the consequence. Sorry, I just like, yeah.
1: No, they don't at all And, and you're right about that. Some people in Mexico a few years ago had put out some information about a um, man or group of, I think two men, I think it was two men, who were abducting children. But it was incorrect information, wrongly citing people in in a particular village. I think it was. Mm-hmm. These men were beaten up and burned to death. So, and afterwards, the the group realized that it was the incorrect. It was not the right men. It was not even the right message that went out. So the consequences of that are far reaching and wide. Now, if we can make um, errors like that, as human beings, because of whatever reason, you know, you, you want to get back at somebody else. So Mm -hmm. the human condition sometimes can be more inclined to um, want to hurt rather than heal, Mm -hmm. or harm rather than heal. which I, I don't know where that that comes from. It's always a case of personal development and looking within yourself to understand how am I always developing daily? to be a better person, to impact my environment better? Am I using religion to do that? Am I using culture? Am I just using a universal moral code to be a good person, to be kind, and uh, mm. to help another person Or You know, a simple thing like, a simple thing like a, you're talking to someone in a room mm. and another person walks in and you stop speaking and this person then feels uncomfortable, the third person who walked in. You know, it's, it's small instances like that of mannerisms, uh, cultural affiliation, uh, religious indoctrination or teachings, mm. um, understanding what will preserve the dignity of another human being. Now, mm. I know I'm going far away from what you originally asked me. It sounds like that. But you asked me about um, will a, how will I see AI developing? Am I correct in saying that?
0: Mm. Yeah. Well, what is the future so of AI?
1: The future of AI will be um, is its dependent variables, which are safe and already known Uh, are computing power and the fact that it is guaranteed an immense amount of data to continually develop. And the fact that we have advances in engineering um, as well as the ability to to a whole uh, array of code available online like on GitHub where the solutions are there already, they just need tweaking, means that we can have solutions almost instantly to address challenges in a much quicker manner to, for preservation of things like food security, uh, justice for human beings around the world and other items the other side of that is I don't know how how well in terms of um, m- a moral compass we can develop because human beings are already having a daily struggle with who we are in the world mm. and if we have if we are continually having uh, struggles with identity, um, who we are, or maybe we have a firm faith and belief in who we are and we're grounded, but we face uh, outside rejection or some kind of, of phobic behavior like um, xenophobia or Islamophobia or some kind of phobic behavior, then that's still that is still a conflict in the world. An outside conflict is still going to impact the very data that informs systems that run. The outcome is going to always um, be at question about the ethical nature of how well it serves the intended user.
2: Mm. Now
1: I said in a recent uh, seminar where I was speaking about AI ethics, I said to the the attendees, my hope is that if we as human beings can go on a journey every one of us who are users of the internet, and that's possibly every person on this earth, maybe a few who don't use it, but for the most part, it's most people. If we can go on a journey as human beings to uh, continue to question our impact on others, and to identify and understand whether what we say makes sense, we ask to understand, we don't ask to react, then I think that the knock-on effect of that, and we, you and I, won't see it in our lifetime. But I hope we may in you know, our future generations will see mm. it. That sentiment of understanding and tolerance that's embedded in the data that you share online. That sentiment, you know, it's like simple thing, like making a comment on someone's post. If I made a comment like uh, someone put on uh, something about their latest um, job that they got and said, "Hey, congratulations, that's wonderful. You, um, you know, may you have prosperity in this." Or I went on and said. Oh, you decided to do this? Such a pathetic thing, you know. The two difference, the differences between those things. If we continue our investigation and interrogation of things in the world by seeking to understand, that will be embedded in the sentiment of the data that is used to inform algorithms and models. And in turn, the outcomes of that, I believe, in terms of more I just
0: your microphone. microphone. I can't hear. Yeah. Oh, okay, I can hear you better um, now. Mm-hmm.
1: Can you hear me better? Yeah. yeah. So the, the last thought there was that I hope that in years to come, the sentiment that's created because of change in behavior with humans now will impact the data that informs systems in the years to come. And that's potentially where AI could be used
0: mm, okay. for good. Awesome. Awesome. So tell me something. A lot of people listening to this are, we are or, we're know like a lot of people are not within the AI field. Um, me myself personally, I use AI in my businesses, and it has helped us to, you know, to um, to grow our business. Um, not everyone's going to have that luxury because a lot of people are in service jobs. Um, you know, dra- um, driverless, driverless cars are probably going to take over a majority of the taxi driver jobs in the future. Uh, with Tesla looking at um, having your driverless car go and be a taxi while you at work. Um, you know, during the day. I'm not sure who would want their 1. something million Rand or in dollars, 2 million or well, 2 million Rand's car to go and be a taxi during the day, but that's an option. Okay. I know. And, 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 you know what, before anyone says no, there are cheaper options. Yes, there are cheaper options, but they are still not, are not that cheap, but it's still an option for a lot of people because now cars can now start being an asset rather than being a liability where you buy it and the value just goes down and down and down. And it's just, a, you, you just end up just losing when you buy a car. AI is, is going to, is, this is a fact, it's going to replace a lot of jobs. And also another fact is that it's also going to create a lot of jobs. Okay. How can people prepare for an AI future, which is going to happen, which is happening?
1: Uh, that's a great question. It's one I ask myself every day uh, because I have to continue to investigate the landscape of what AI, um, the impact of AI looks like in various industry sectors. The, I think that for South Africans particularly right now, I mean, I'm talking the South African perspective, but I also want to look at the global perspective and particularly Africa as well, because our company, Socially Acceptable, has a project called the AI Africa Report. Which um aims to become the most comprehensive portal of knowledge and research on, on AI for the African continent. So everything to do with African continent. So that's our mm-hmm. focus there. But um I lost my train of thought about um what you just asked me.
0: No problem. How can we prepare for an AI future? You know how yeah, then yeah, yeah. you're like what do we what does every m- person out there needs to do, whether you are in the industry, whether you're not in the industry, uh, what, do you actually, uh, what steps can you take to, for you to be for it?
1: I want to give the South African example. We've seen um, AI impact through automation, the manufacturing as well, the automotive industries. So those two manufacturing across the board, whether it be products, mm. services, textiles, whatever it may be. You've also seen AI at work in the agricultural sector, particularly with identifying um, plant and uh, growing techniques or plant identification with diseases and being able to um, predict better what could happen to the crop or what are the best outputs for that crop. So we've seen it in those kinds of things. The other in sectors are health uh, tech. Now health tech is across the African continent particularly in uh, Rwanda, Kenya, Ghana at the moment. Yeah, quite a few excellent solutions that are coming out from locally based innovators there. One of them being um, Ghanaian innovator um, Darlington Akogo, who is the founder of Mino Health uh, and Karago AI. I think, I think it is Karago AI, which is an agricultural platform. Mm-hmm. The, these local innovators on the continent are producing uh, solutions based on what the challenge specific or immediate challenges are and incorporating it. So so already rolling out whether the market's ready or not, but rolling out to test so that they can, they have a test case or, or a proof of concept. Now, these are exciting initiatives that are happening on the continent, taking into into consideration a localized approach because that's what you need. That, that maybe you got the global platforms, thinking support um, and storage, but you need a localized approach in terms of, Uh, cultural affiliation or cultural association as well, and the environment particularly. But how do we prepare for an AI future knowing all of these things? I would say the first thing is to understand your place in the world as a digital citizen. A digital citizen meaning uh, you use a number of social media tools, I don't know how many times a day. You also use a number of platforms to communicate, Facebook, Messenger, WhatsApp, and the like. And by doing these things, you actively give the social media platforms uh, the right to use your data. We know that because we use their platforms for free. So there must be, there must be a payoff somewhere. Mm-hmm. So understand your role and your rights as a digital citizen. I would, that's the first step. If you do that, you know what role you, you can play in the world, who has the responsibility of data, and start understanding the role players that exist in this world. We don't live in in bubbles or um, outside of your communities. we live in the world mm. so whether we like to live in one place our entire life or we move around the world, you still live in the world. you mm. gotta have an understanding if you don't um, then you know every person has a responsibility for themselves, so you gotta take that mm. responsibility into hand. The second I think is to if you're in a profession which everyone
0: um you might okay. Yeah.
1: Uh, Extensive job losses. I don't know if you can hear me. You know, I
0: can, you know.
1: Okay. So the extensive job losses, I don't think it's about job losses so much as a change in how we work. The change in how we work is you're going to see a lot more robotic um, members of staff in the future, Mm. and they're going to be working side by side with you. If you have been doing uh, an automated type job, the chances of you that specific task um, to be replaced is very high and is absolutely possible.
0: Do you mean repetitive so, type job or automated? Yeah,
1: absolutely. Yeah. So like a data capturer is an example. I mean, mm-hmm. do you would, would can you qualify needing a data capturer anymore when there are systems that could easily read documentation, upload them onto a system and keep the records for quick search and use of any mobile app? No. or um, something as simple as a fintech bot or a financial mm. bot onto a website, you apply for a home loan and within minutes you find out whether you you are applicable or not. Mm. So be, be, keeping these things in mind, um, we can't give active examples right now of particular industries, though we are busy with the research around that and the job roles that are going to be replaced by automation and how people in those roles can then pivot to find a new skill set that will work alongside a robot. Mm-hmm. This is the thinking that is required, but it's going to take a lot of work to do that. Why? Because we are currently in a work-based system where we're not only fighting labor laws, but we have unions that protect the rights of workers. And I don't know how unions are going to um, respond to changes in workplace ability because of robotic in- in inclusion and whether unions will even include robots as part of their membership. So that's something also to think about. You but I think what? it's down so, to, hmm? it's, I would just complete by saying, it's down to continually thinking about how to pivot from your current role. relook look at your skill sets and don't be afraid to move and to change. Many people I have come across have said to me, they're too scared to take the next step or too comfortable in their roles this is not a time to be comfortable. Mm. You have to get used to the idea of being uncomfortable so you can have growth and prosperity.
0: Mm, okay, that's, that's, that is a very good answer. <laughs> I, I wanna ask you one question quickly about, what, what is your feeling around AI tax? Like the tax, AI tax. tax, okay. the tax companies, the more AI they use, and um you know and and it ties into the whole idea of universal basic income where companies that use a lot more ai and a lot more robotics a lot, a lot more robots pay much higher taxes um and you know and that's higher tax essentially um you know contributes to the concept of the, of the universal basic, basic income, which if, if anyone's listening, universal basic income is basically a sort of like income that you are paid, but, or that is paid to everyone, whether they are working or not, just because, you know, um, th- there might not be enough jobs for everyone. What, you, what is your, you know, being an AI ethics officer, <laughs> how do you feel about AI tax? being applied to, to, to companies, corporations um, and so on?
1: Yeah, this is a good question, which I, I am not sure I have an adequate answer for um, in the last few moments before we wrap up because I have to get onto another call. But just to to attempt uh, at answering this question, because I, I don't know how many of us have an adequate answer. You've got to, t- for, for me personally, and based on the experience I've had in observing the landscape, but also uh, doing the necessary research around it, is that if you look at what the AI tax would mean, right, it's like the debate about whether uh, excessively rich people who are in the billionaire and trillionaire categories need to be taxed more because they, uh, they have these massive wealth um, empires and fortunes. And, and that's another conversation. But the AI tax is uh, something that I think may be uh, specific to the labor landscape of a particular environment. I don't know if you can apply a global standard on it and perhaps they should be because it's a global problem and it's a global challenge. And I think I would think about it in terms of if that, that particular tax is implemented then where will it go, and which whose agenda is it going to serve? Because we still have, uh, we need clarity on who owns the data, mm-hmm. um, who is making the policy that enforces or relaxes allowances um, against what systems are being used in a landscape or an environment for its citizens. There is a tussle between governments and global corporations. We see this in the example of the U.S. Senate uh, continually calling the heads of the big five in the U.S., Microsoft, Google, Amazon, and the like, to send it to answer questions. Mm. There's this constant tussle uh, with governments and global corporations, and the other side is civil society organizations, um, different type of groupings, academia, who are all in the mix. Then, yeah. Um, I'm still still wondering about that. We need, that question needs to be addressed in the whole framework of, uh, you're going to have government policy uh, guidelines, like I know South Africa has an AI institute and our Minister of Communications, um, Stella and Benny Abrahams, has announced that they're working on AI guidelines for how it will be used and implemented in this country. Um, President Salah Ramaphosa has announced that as when he took up Office of the African Union said that there should be an AI forum that's developed Mm. for the continent. Um, The EU are currently developing ethical AI guidelines that will be used within the EU. Um, The US have developed AI standards or a policy to try and put them in the race to become the AI winner, alongside China, who have developed their own guidelines, the UK. But again, these are frameworks that are in development process. Uh, to ask a question like that would be part of that development process. And I, I think it's, it's, it's a multi-tiered conversation around um, various stakeholders and inputs and ideas around the global or basic, um, basic wage that's allocated to, to any worker.
0: Thank you so much, Nazarene. I, it, it has been lovely having you as a guest um, on Like Buddha. And I know you have to run off just now. Can you leave us with some final words? Okay.
1: Yeah, thank you so much, Adiwal. It was such a nice conversation and uh, you're a very engaging host and I really thank you for putting this message out there and helping us to share the message around uh, being a responsible digital citizen. That's what it comes down to. A few Mm. words I would share with our listeners, audience, is to um, please... Be kind in this very uncertain world, mm-hmm. just be kind, um, because your kindness um, has a knock-on effect or a, a domino effect on so many things. And those so many things are translated into uh, different facets of our communication, primarily digital communication. So if anything I can leave with you is just be kind in a very uncertain world these days and be safe, and wear a mask. <laughs>
0: I'm Adewale Adejumo, and this is the epilog Like Better Podcast. I would love to connect with you on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. On Facebook, you can find me at Adewale Adejumo. On Instagram, at the Real Wale Adejumo. And on Twitter, at Wale Adejumo. If you enjoyed that episode, please subscribe to the epilog Like Better Podcast so that you do not miss new episodes we will release. And I will see you on our next episode.